to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. We're going to begin in verse 24 and read through the completion uh, of the words of Paul uh, in those verses. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And the Bible says, uh, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Thank you. you. May be seated. Our fathers, we come this evening thanking you for the day's blessings. Lord, we, we come tonight. Thank you for the good singing. And now, Lord, we come to look into the Word of God for a few minutes tonight. And we ask that, uh, Lord, that you'd help us to get our minds off the world and off of tomorrow and all those things we will have to deal with in time. But right now, Lord, in the next little bit, we're here to worship God and to hear from His Word. And I pray you'd, Lord, enable us, Lord, to be able uh, to do that tonight. If there's one here tonight lost and undone without God or Son, I pray they might respond in a positive way to the gospel tonight and be saved. Lord, all of us that are running this race, I pray you'd encourage us tonight, uh, Lord, to keep up, uh, Lord, the, uh, the running, keep up the race, keep fighting the good fight that we might lay hold upon eternal life one of these days when we come to the end of the race. Now, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this book to the Corinthians. Of course, he wrote two letters. Uh, this one he wrote to the Corinthians and uh, the church at Corinth. And it is a church that about every problem that you could find in a church, you could find it in this church. And uh, Paul is trying to help them, trying to address it, trying to... Uh, do all of that. But here in these, uh, these verses here in verse 24 that I've read through verse 27, Paul is used of the Holy Ghost to finish out this chapter here. And he links these last four verses together. And uh, they remind us of three great truths tonight that I want to look at that's right here in the text tonight. I'm preaching tonight on a race to be run a crown to be won, and a condition to be shunned. When we look at this tonight, first of all, we see there is a race to be run. The Bible said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. There are many pictures in the Bible of the Christian life. Uh, they're not all as we see it here in this particular text, but we know the Christian life is pictured in some places as a journey. I remember Nehemiah going to the king, and the king asked Nehemiah, he said, how long will the journey be? None of us can answer that question. We don't know how long this journey will be. I try to make myself 
realize and keep it constant within my thoughts uh, that today could be the last day. Uh, I tried to make myself be reminded there's only a step between me and death and uh, how close that it is. But in our human bodies, it's in us living and in our human bodies, we can see other people dying, but sometimes we can't see our own self. Uh, dying. We see the hamlets across the road or up the street, but somehow or another it's hard for us to picture it coming to our house uh, and to get us after our life has expired. But our life is a journey. Amen. And then other places in the Bible it talks about our life as if it was a battle. Someone said amen. I can agree with that. Uh, but the Bible says uh, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So when I see that term laid upon the child of God as a soldier, I'm reminded that there is a battle. Amen. Uh, there is a battle. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul wrote there, and he said, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And so he talks about weapons there. And of course, Ephesians 6, he talks about the armor that the soldier wears. And so we realize that life is a battle. But in this verse, the Bible says that life here is a race. Now we're talking about Christians uh, tonight, but let's think about the races that we are aware of. First of all, we are all a part of the human race. Some have referred to it as the rat race. But we are all a part of the human race. You say, how did, how did we become a part of the human race? We got born into it. Amen. Uh, I'll say some more about that in a minute. And then no one with a, with a phone or a television or radio could not be aware of political races. Uh, thank God that we're not in any of them tonight. Amen. Uh, because there's nothing no more crooked and uh, nothing it looks like that, uh, that so wears you out as listening to all these political races. Amen. You say, what is a, a politician? That's a man that's able to, able to make you hear what you want to hear. Amen. Uh, that's a man that promises to fix anything and can't never fix nothing. Amen. Uh, that's what a politician is and a lot more other things. But then, I not only think about that, but here the Apostle Paul is talking about an athletic race. Uh, no doubt many, many of you here, uh, you when you're in school, you run track, or you were part of a, a 600 uh, dash or whatever, the 50-yard dash, and all of them different things. Uh, and Paul here is referring to something like the Olympic races. And he's comparing the Christian life uh, to these Olympic racers. And he talks about in verse 25 how that they strive for the mastery. They're temperate in all things. He talks about how much they're willing to do, how far they're willing to go uh, uh, to, win, uh, uh, to win a crown. Uh, uh, back then they were made of olive leaves or something like that. And he said they'll do all these things to win uh, a corruptible crown. In other words, it's going to last. But then he says a lot of times we as in the Christian race, uh, 
uh, a lot of times we're not willing to uh, sometimes to put forth and go the extra mile and do the things that we need to do in order to come out in this race the way that we want to come out. Amen. And so let's think about all the different races tonight, but in, but in particular we're thinking about the Christian race tonight. And if you're in the Christian race tonight, you're not racing against anybody. Uh, you're not trying to outrun anybody. You don't have to uh, do that, but all of us have to run the race that's set before us, uh, and uh, we're running our own race. Uh, uh, a lot of times the devil gets, especially young Christians, young preachers get them discouraged because they're not seen to be going along as fast as others are. Well, we don't have to, we don't have to finish the race in no amount of time. We just got to finish the race. Amen. And so we think about all these different races. And then we think tonight about the racers themselves. Uh, uh, where did they come from? Well, uh, just like you were born into the human race, when it comes to the Christian life, uh, uh, we were born into this race that we're in. Amen. Uh, we were born again. We were saved by the grace of God. Matthew 7, 13 uh, said, Enter in at the straight gate. And so one day you and I got saved and we entered in. We entered in to this Christian race that you and I are in. And now we need to realize that we're saved, we're going to heaven, uh, but uh, too many times we stop it there. Uh, there is a race to be run, amen. I thank God that we are saved, but now we're supposed to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where Sunday school and revivals and camp meetings and camps and preachers, that's where all that comes into is to help us to grow uh, uh, in our Christian race. Uh, we think about them racers there, and the Bible, Paul says, Know ye not that all run in a race. Uh, in other words, all of us that are saved, we're expected to run this race. Uh, uh, there ain't nobody gets saved, just sits down, ain't expected to do nothing. Uh, no, there's something for us to do. And the Bible calls it a race. Now, a race wouldn't be a race uh, uh, without some people rooting you on. Amen? And uh, the Bible said in Hebrews 12 and 1, it said, Wherefore seeing we are compassed about uh, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm glad as we run this race, sometimes it's uphill, amen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, sometimes it's down through dark valleys, amen. Uh, I mean, we get in, it's not all easy. Sometimes it's uphill. But I'm glad that God has put some people along the way to root us along, amen. I tell you what you and I as Christians ought to do. We ought to be trying to trip one, other, one another up in this race. Uh, uh, we ought to be trying to discourage one another in this race. Uh, uh, but as Christians that are all in the race, uh, uh, we ought to be rooting each other on. Amen. Uh, I'm glad that I have some people in my life uh, uh, that help to root me on. Amen. Uh, sometimes as a preacher I get discouraged and I might not let it show in the pulpit. You might be able to see it anyway. But sometimes I get discouraged. Uh, but then I think about men like Curtis Sheets. Uh, 
And I think about him and how faithful he was. I think about men like Noah Broughton. I think about men like Tom Tuggle. I think about men that have already run their race and finished their race. And even though they're dead, they're still speaking. And they'll say, go on, boy, don't quit. Go on, you can do it. Keep on, amen. I'm glad that sometimes my wife, sometimes she roots me on, amen. She can pick up on my moves and what's going on in my life sometimes. And sometimes it'll be her that'll be cheering me on with just a little word or something, you know. Might be my grandkids or my boys or a church member. Might be one of you that'll sometimes cheer me on. Amen. I tell you, we all need a little cheering along the sidelines to keep us from giving up and keeping us from quitting. Amen. I believe in this age that we're living in, uh, we need a lot of cheerleaders, amen. Uh, uh, we need a lot of people to keep cheering each other on uh, and keep saying, keep going on uh, uh, for the glory of God, amen. I'm glad that I've got in the Bible why in Hebrews 11, uh, I've heard it preached that they're watching from heaven. Maybe they are, I don't know. Uh, but I think the great cloud of witnesses the Bible's talking about is all those that are listed there in Hebrews 11. I, I can look at Abraham and Abel and Moses and Joshua and, and all them listed there. And I can look at them and, and any air one of them's got a lot harder race than what I've got to run far. And I look at them and I say, thank God if they made it, I can make it. Amen. I got the same God they got. I got the same spirit they had. And I got something they ain't got. I got a completed Bible. I got an independent Baptist church to go to. Amen. And so I'm saying there is a race to be run. Amen. Are you running your race? Are you sitting down on the sidelines? Sometimes you got to slow down. But you don't need to never stop. Amen. Keep making a, a little bit. Amen. Uh, I think about Brother Richie tonight. And uh, he come in yesterday morning. My wife said, my wife said, uh, surely Brother Richie won't come to visitation. I said, he'll be there. He's the first one walked in an hour early. Amen. That cheered me on, brother. Uh, this man just had to, his gall, gallstones took out, had his gallbladder took out a month or so ago, and then he got gallstones and, and got out of the hospital, I think, on Thursday. And he was ready to go out. Now, he'd went walking. If I'd let him, I'd put him in a car and to go around and try to make it a little easier on him. Uh, but, brother, that cheered me on when I seen you come in. Amen. You don't know how many times it that I've, uh, I've over 43 years, how many times I've met up there, nobody showed up, amen. Uh, uh, you think it don't cheer me on when people show up and want to go out visitation knocking on doors, amen. And so we all need somebody to root us on for the glory of God. Uh, uh, you ladies, don't, don't beat each other down, not that you do, but I'm just saying don't. Uh, uh, cheer each other on, amen. Uh, uh, the devil's out there. He don't, he don't let none of us go, amen. Uh, uh, he works on all of us. We all slip up. We all make mistakes. Uh, uh, but just cheer each other on, amen. Uh, I say, get up. Keep going. Uh, amen. You can make it for God. Uh, amen. Uh, there is a race to be run. 
But then the Bible says, And every man that striveth for the master is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Not only is there a race to be run, but there's a crown uh, to be won. Amen. We sing a lot of songs. When the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Uh, will there be any stars in my crown? All them songs about crowns. Why is that? Because crowns are in the Bible. Amen. It might be called a prize or reward. Paul says here, he says, he says, All that run in a race but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Now we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about crowns. We're talking about rewards. We're talking about a prize. Amen. And he says that we have to run our race in a certain way if we're going uh, to receive uh, the crown or the prize. Amen. You see the Bible mentions several crowns in the Bible. And I won't go through them all tonight. I'll just mention a few. But Paul talked about a crown of righteousness. And Paul said there is a crown of righteousness, he said. And he said God has got one for him. And he said all those that love is appearing. Would you love the appearing of Jesus tonight? Would you love for him to appear and us to be caught up in the clouds and swept away into heaven? Well, the Bible said if you'd love that tonight, God has a crown of righteousness for you. Amen. If you get up in the morning and look and say, I'd be a good day for Jesus to come. If you ever drive down the road like I have hundreds of times and look out at a blue sky and say, Lord, it'd be an awful good time for you to come. Amen. Uh, if you would love His appearing, uh, uh, the Bible said that God uh, has a crown of righteousness for you. Now there's a lot of people that even though they say they're saved, they wouldn't love the Lord to come tonight. They wouldn't love the Lord to come tonight. Well, I understand young people thinking that. And uh, you know, they want to get married. They want to have children. They want to get their driver's license. They want to get a job. And once you get all that done, you'd say, I wish to God he'd have come back then. Amen. <laughs> There's a crown of righteousness. And then the Bible talks about in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul wrote over there, and he talked about uh, in verse 19 of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, he said, uh, What is our hope or joy? Or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. Paul, these, Paul had won these people to the Lord. And Paul said there's going to be a crown of rejoicing. That's for the soul winner. That's for the people that try to win somebody to God. You said, do you got to win them? I don't know. I think maybe if you just try, God's got something for you. Amen. If you just try... I know I can't win them. The Lord has to save them. I can't save them. You can't save them. But I know what I can do. I can witness. I can put out a track. I can let them know about Jesus. Amen. But the Bible said, Paul said, there's a crown of rejoicing. Uh, oh, if you ever want anybody to the Lord, 
had a pardon leading somebody to the Lord. You know how happy you was when you had a little part in that. God used you to lead them to Him. It's a wonderful feeling. I tell you one of the greatest feelings that there is apart from getting saved yourself is helping somebody else get saved. Amen. Lead somebody else to the Lord. I, oh, I never have been a, a big soul winner that like Jack Kyles or some of these guys. I don't have thousands, but I thank God there's one or two sprinkled back through the way. Uh, amen. I'm glad there's a few that sit around here that the Lord uh, uh, let me lead to the Lord. Amen. I never will forget, uh, old man, I won to the Lord. He's the first person that God ever let me win to the Lord, old brother Roy Norris. And I got a hold of a Jack Kyle's soul winning tapes. And there's about six hours of it. And I laid in my floor upstairs and in the bedroom and I listened to all six hours of them at one time. Brother, when I got done, I was on fire. Where they at? I got my little red Volkswagen, drove up to the first street. I couldn't wait no longer. And I parked it right there and I went and I knocked on the door. I said, I'm Brother Rick Prophet. I pastor this little church up here and I've come to tell you about Jesus. And they slammed the door and said, we're not interested. We don't want to hear it. One of them said, I, I've already got a church. I said, where is it? And they told me where it was. I just preached there about two Sundays ago. I said, I didn't see you there. They hum hard around, come to find out it had been 30 years since they'd been to church. Amen. I tell you, by the time I went from this side to that side to this side to that side, I, I tell you, it done sucked all the wind out of me. I, I, my fire was just about all went out. I, in the very last house I knocked on, an old man barely opened the door. They told me later that he had swore that he'd never let another preacher in his house. Because he had a son that was an alcoholic who, who years later got saved in the old building. And, uh, and, and they said he wouldn't let a preacher in. I'm surprised you got in. But I knocked on the door and, and here's what got me in. He said, uh, I said, I'm a preacher. And he said, well, he said, uh, I had to put my son out not too long ago. He got so rowdy and he, he drank so much that I had to put him out. And he said, a preacher told me that God wouldn't even forgive me for that. preacher told me I did wrong. And I said, well, that preacher didn't live here, did he? He didn't know what you was putting up with. I, when I said that, it kind of opened the door and he let me in. And we began to talk about this and that. And he said, you know what? He said, uh, he said, I wanna, he said if I ever get religion, he said, I want the kind my grandma had. I said, what kind did she have? He said, she believed there's a hell and fire in it and people went there. I said, that's the kind I got. Yeah. He said, well, there's some folks come around here and said they just said there wasn't no hell and they didn't believe in hell. And I said, well, your mama's right. Don't you listen to them. Your mama's right. And we talked about his mama and everything else and about an hour. I'm putting it off because I'm so nervous and I'm shaking and sweating and everything else. And finally the Lord said, get to it if you're going to get to it. And I said, sir, has anybody ever told you how to be saved? He said, no, sir. 
I said, would you let me tell you how to be saved? He said, yes, sir. And I went in, and somehow or another, all that Jack Howell stuff just went out the window. And I tell you, I got so mixed up, I didn't even know if I was saved or not. And I remember sitting there on that couch, and I remember saying to myself, God, if you'll just let me get out of here, I'll never ever try this again. And about that time, that old man just slumped out on the floor. Oh, God save me. Oh, God save me. The Lord showed me that very first time. It wasn't me. It was God that done it. It wasn't me. That old man got saved, walked the aisle. And I know how proud I was that next Sunday at that little old church, about 15 people, when I brought him down the aisle. And I said, I won this man to the Lord. God let me win him. And boy, I was so proud of that convert. Amen. But wait a minute, wait a minute. If you think I felt good and I was joyous and proud that day, I think what I'm going to be when I bring old Roy up before the Lord and I say, Lord, this is one of my crown of rejoicings. Praise God. Amen. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of rejoicing. There's a crown of life. Some of you get that. You see, that crown of life is for those that endure Temptation. Boy, some of you's been through it, buddy. You've been through it, what you've had to go through, and, and the material the devil had to attack your mind in every way to get you to quit. But you just keep on coming. Oh, I wouldn't say you don't have doubts, you don't question at times. I, you're human, I know you do. But you keep on coming. <laughs> And one of these days, God's going to give you that crown. Amen. God's going to give you that, that crown of life. Because you endured the hard times. You endured the unexplainable thing. You kept on serving God. Amen. There's another crown. I doubt if anybody in here would be interested in it. It's a martyr's crown. Well, I should rather have one of these others. Amen. Uh, that may be what the Lord's got picked out for us for this life is over. And I hope, pray God, give us the grace and the courage and the strength to do it if it has to be done. Amen. Well, there's a lot of crowns. There's crowns to be won. Now, here's the thing about it. I want you to look over here. I know you know it, but look over here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 8. The Bible said, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, underline it, which the Lord, which the Lord. You know what makes that crown so desirable? The Lord's going to hand it to you. Amen. The Lord's going to give it to you. Well, that, that makes you desire it, don't it? There ain't nobody in heaven I'd rather have to give me a crown than the Lord. He's going to hand it to you, and when He does, you'll see that praying in His hand. When He hands it to you, amen? You see, we want to keep on because of the one that's going to give it. I think about that old boy and his mother. They, 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 they lived in a Poverty stricken, the father died, and the mother was doing three jobs trying to get them through. 
She was ironing clothes in the daytime and cleaning offices and mopping floors and sitting with people on the off days. And she put that boy in college and she was paying for him. That's back before you could get all this government money and stuff. And that boy was a little bit ashamed of his mom and daddy. Don't ever be ashamed of your mom and daddy. Oh, I've been guilty of that. I guess every kid has some point in time. I used to have an old 67 Valiant that I drove. I actually prayed for God to give me a new Cadillac and give me a 67 Valiant. But anyway, I, I loved that old car. Back then, the kids were all going over to Eastern Elementary, and I'd take them over there. And Chelsea and Zach, they'd say, Papa, don't pull up front. They'd say, just let us out down here at the road. We can walk. He's ashamed of me. I, I know how that is as a teenager and a young person. I can remember certain circumstances, situations, being ashamed of my mom and dad, but how ignorant I was. How ignorant I was to be ashamed of them. And if anything, they would have been ashamed of me instead of me being ashamed of them. But that old boy was ashamed of his mother. He went through all the four years of college and was graduating. He'd done well. He's going to be the valedictorian of the, of the class. And he come home and told his mother he'd been elected the valedictorian of the class. And he said, Mother, he said, he said, really, you don't have to come. And she said, well, I'd love to come. He said, well, Mother, said, if you do come, said, just sit in the back. Sit way in the back. The dark area back there. That mother came that night. Auditorium full. Lots of people there. And the, the man was standing up there handing out the diplomas. And he called this boy's name. And this boy come up and, and he, he, he reached out to get his diploma. And when he did, way back there in the back, he saw his poor old mama that had worked day and night to send him through school. And he saw her and his heart smote him. And he stopped and he said, Sir, can I have the mic just a minute? And he gave him the mic and he said, I want my mother, that's all the way back there in the back, I want my mother to come up here on the platform. The little old lady made it down there, just a little old cheap dress and stuff, and made it down there and she come up on the stage and he hugged her and he said, This is my mama. And he said, My mama's iron clothes and my mama sit with sick people and my mama has done cleaned offices and she's done all of that to put me through school. And he said, Mama, he said, I don't deserve this. You deserve this. Uh, uh, well, I said that to say this. Uh, that's the way it'll be when we get up there and the Lord hands us that crown uh, and we see that nail-scarred hand. We're going to say, Lord, I don't deserve this. Lord, you deserve it. Uh, it wasn't me, Lord, but it was you. Amen. Uh, but, oh, we want them crowns. You say, why? I know you know this, but I want to stir your mind by way of remembrance tonight. Over in Revelations 4, that great rapture chapter. Here's why we want that crown. Some people say, oh, I'm saved. It don't matter. I'm going to the same heaven you are. Yeah, if you're saved, you are. You are. But here's where the difference is going to come in. 
And he said in verse 10, the four and twenty elders, that's a representation of the redeemed body of Christ. And he said, they fell down before him that sat on the throne and they worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are received. I understand in your human thinking, you're thinking what I want with a harp and what I want with a robe and, and what I want with a crown. Well, the reason we want that crown is because we're going to stand there and we're going to sing worthy as the Lamb. We're going to sing that new song over in chapter 5 and we're going to get to see Him. Never have seen Him. I've talked to Him multiple hours. Prayed to Him many times. Sung about Him. Preached about Him. Taught about Him. But one of these days I'm going to get to see Him. My face is going to become sight. fellow said the other day, he said, he said, I died and went to heaven. He said, I saw Jesus. Told a preacher friend of mine that. He said, you did? He said, yes. Yeah. He said, what did he look like? He said, just like the pictures. <laughs> there ain't no pictures of Jesus. Amen. We, the only pictures we have is in the Bible where it says, uh, he had no beauty that we would desire him. That's just what some man thinks he looks like. Amen. It's probably somewhat close to that, but nobody's seen the Lord. But one of these days we're going to see him. Boy, wouldn't it be awful to stand before him knowing he died for you and suffered on the cross and was beaten and spit upon. They plucked his beard out, hit him over, smote him over the head, stuck a spear in his side. Wouldn't it be awful to stand there knowing He redeemed you and what He did for you and you've got nothing to give to Him? I might not have a stack of crowns, but I want one to lay down at His feet. Don't you? There's a race to be run. There's a crown to be won. And then the Bible says, but I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. There is a condition to be shunned. Amen. This was the fear of Paul. Man didn't fear nothing. He didn't fear jails and prisons and stocks and beatings. He didn't fear going to a town when he knew they was going to kill him. This man didn't fear nothing, but there was one thing he feared. He feared becoming a castaway. I looked that word castaway up, and it, it means to be rejected. It means to, to not be used, to be cast aside. And Paul knew that was possible even for him. He said, I keep my body under subjection. He said, I don't want to be cast aside. Amen. I tell you, I'd rather die today, right now, and I know I'd get to a point God couldn't use me no more. Paul said, I'm afraid that while I preach to others that I myself might become a castaway. I've had preacher friends that messed up, and only by the grace of God it 
could have been me, could be me. But they all, everyone told me the same thing. They said, I prayed, I messed up. I prayed God would kill me. I'd rather God kill me than have to face what I've done. And I told one of them, I said, God ain't going to kill you. God's going to make us face our sin. God's going to make us face all the folks we preach to and talk to. God ain't going to kill us. Who wouldn't rather be dead than have to face a crowd after preaching to others for years? Who wouldn't rather die right then than have to face the people you preach to? Why, anyone would. Paul was afraid of this condition. And we have an illustration in the Bible of a man that actually was under Paul, maybe led to the Lord by Paul. And you know him by name. His name was Demas. And Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demon, but Demas became a castaway. Paul said, I don't want to do that. You say, why? Well, when you become a castaway, you lose you lose the fellowship. Not only with the Lord, but with others. Brother Duncan said this week up there, he said half of a count meeting, he said, I love the preaching, I love the singing, but he said half of a count meeting is fellowship. How true that is. You see folks you don't get to see every day, and you sit around, and you drink coffee and talk, and share stories, and laugh, and Boy, there ain't nothing like good Christian fellowship. These ladies get together once a month and they have a they have a, their lesson, Bible lesson, and they have fellowship. Lots of times uh, they won't get home till nearly midnight. It starts at five thirty. My wife, she'll start she'll start to leave and and she'll strike up, and they'll somebody say something to her or whatever, and she'll say something to somebody, and they said, they're having fellowship. And she told me, she said, you men need something like that. I said, honey, you don't understand. Men are different women. She said, no, you men do, need to do something like that. Well, she said it enough, I believed her. So we had a men's prayer breakfast on Saturday morning. We announced it, it as a big turnout. Place is full. I said, we need some biscuit and gravy. And Jack Richardson said, I make the best gravy you ever put in your mouth. I said, you got the job. First thing that happened, he scorched the gravy. Have you ever tried to eat scorched gravy? Everything was a disaster. And I'm standing there looking out at the men that are sitting around there waiting for their scorched gravy. They're just sitting there looking at each other, nobody's saying a word. In my mind, I'm thinking, I told her, I told her, I told her. But there ain't nothing no better than good Christian fellowship. It'll help you, boy. That's two people in the same ship. Fellowship. You need that. You see, not only do you lose the fellowship... But Paul talked about Demas and Colossians and he said he's a fellow laborer. I enjoy just going out with the men like we did Saturday. Briley, it was the first time for him to go. He picked it right up. 
And he liked it. He said, I like this. I said, Brother Briley, I said, I never want to go, but I'm always happy I did after it's over. You see, there's a part of me that doesn't want to go do that. That's what's called the flesh. It cares nothing about that. It hates it. But there's another part of me that once I get going, the Spirit loves it. And there's something about doing it that I've never done it in my life. I didn't feel better. Fact of the business is, I have a couple of times been so depressed and nothing seemed to work. And finally, the Lord, I guess, put it in my heart. And I got me a handful of tracks and just went out and parked and started knocking on doors. I, you say, what happened? It worked. I felt better. Amen. I, I, you know why that works? Because we're doing what we're supposed to do. Amen. I, uh, does a bird seem happy when it's singing and flying? Does a fish seem happy when it's swimming? Uh, does a squirrel seem happy when it's climbing? That's what they're made to do, amen. Uh, and when we get born again, we're made to do these things, to fellowship, amen, to work for God. The more we fellowship, the more we work for God, the happier we are. Well, this Demas fella, he lost his fellowship. He was no longer a fellow worker with Paul and Luke and Timothy and all them he worked with. But he was a fellow that lost his reward. Let me say this real plain. You can't lose your salvation if you ever got it. You ever really got it. You made your call an election. Sure, you can't lose it. But you can lose your reward. Revelation 3 and 11, John wrote, and he said, Let no man take thy crown. In other words, somebody can take your crown. You say, how can they do that? Well, if we don't, if we don't run that race, they can get our crown. I can mess up after 43 years of preaching, 42 years of pastoring, I can mess up and lose it all. And somebody come in here and they'd take my crown. They'd pick up on it and they'd take my crown. A lot of people have lost their crown. The Bible said, let no man take thy crown. Somebody could take your crown if you wasn't careful with it, if you wasn't watching it. I like what John said in 1 John 3 and 8. He said, and this puts it down where it is. He said, look to yourself. And the word ain't to look to you to make sure I keep my crown. He said, look to yourself. It's my responsibility. Amen. He said, look to yourself that we lose not those things that we have wrought. Watch this. But that we receive a full reward. Boy, I don't want to lose none of it. I ain't going to have that many anyway. And I want a full reward, don't you? I don't want nobody else laying my crown and my reward down at the feet of Jesus and me standing there with tears running down my face and thinking about how I didn't run the race. Thinking about how that I won a crown, but I lost the crown because I didn't finish my race well. There is a race to be run. There is a crown to be won, and there is a condition to be shunned. Let me say this, as bad 
as bad as that would be to have a stack of crowns and to be tempted by the devil and to lose your crown. Have to start all over again. To have nothing lay down at the feet of Jesus. How bad that that condition would be, but there's one more worse. There's a condition to be shunned, and that's leaving this world without Jesus. Worst thing anybody could ever do is leave this world without Jesus. I want to ask you this evening, and you have to answer it because I can't. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure? Do you know that you know that you know? Because we're only a step between us and death. And that condition to be shunned is to go into the darkness and blackness of the charred walls of the damned and spend eternity in a place created for the devil and his angels. That's a condition to be shunned. Lord's made a way. Nobody has to go to hell. Jesus died on the cross. If you go there, you'll go as an intruder. You'll go there as a trespasser. You'll go there as somewhere that you have no business being. Because Christ made a way when He died on that old rugged cross. And He spread His arms out. And He prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And when He looked over at that old thief, that old thief said, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You see how bad that God wants people saved. You see how much that God loves sinners. Because that old thief could never put a dime in the offering plate. He can't attend one church service. He can't go on one visitation. He can't, he can't even go to one prayer meeting. He can't even talk to nobody about Jesus. But the Lord said today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Some people just don't get it. They think you've got to somehow beg God into saving you because He don't really want to, but maybe you can beg Him into it. No, sir. Christ came to save sinners. He died so that all could be saved. And His Word still says, All that the Father giveth me are mine, and him that cometh unto me I'll in no wise turn away. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is a condition to be shunned, and that's leaving this old world. I'm afraid a lot of people leave this world not prepared to meet God. Their family says they're all right or they did some little something there on the end. They believe they're okay. I pray God they are. But why take that chance? Why not make that call in an election sure and know that you know that you know. Father, I thank you tonight for...